my boob looked great a year after I had the surgery. Yeah. And then once the the radiation's like working in your system for a long time, you don't just stop radiation. Right. And the radiation just goes, goes away. away. Right. Or whatnot. <laughs> so yeah, so I have a crepe and I have a boob. <laughs> and then one of my best girlfriends started calling it Margot. She said it looks like a crepe, but she goes, Margot, that sounds like it's French. Okay. So there you go. I got Margot and I got one regular boob. <laughs> everyone, welcome to Life with the Sherry on Top. I'm your host, Sherry, and today I am joined by my friend, Jamie. Hello. Hello. Little Mrs. Doubtfire there. <laughs> um, <laughs> today we want to talk about um, the healthcare system and how we think you should be in charge of your own healthcare. So welcome, James. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about healthcare because you are the only other person I know besides me to experience. <laughs> the healthcare twinsies. Yeah. Like, most of the time. I think they're going to name a disease after us one day. Probably. Um, both of us have had really strange issues and um, difficult diagnosis, diagnoses, diagnoses, yeah. I don't know, however you say it. Based on our own experience, I, I just wanted to talk about that. So I'm going to start with when I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Oh, my goodness. Um, this is going back in my 30s. I was in my 30s, and I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. Um, my stomach kept hurting, and and so I went to my primary care doctor. And the other the other thing was I was feeling depressed, and that's just not who you know me. Yeah. That is not who I am at all. So I went to my primary care doctor and gave her my symptoms. And she um, did, I think, a, uh, she did something on my gallbladder, like an ultrasound on my gallbladder right. or something, thinking that that's what it sounded like. And of course, that wasn't it. Um, and then that led to, uh, oh, well, we did this ultrasound on your gallbladder. Your gallbladder's fine, but we found something on your liver. And then go get the liver looked at, and, oh, that's just hemangiomas, which is just twisted blood vessels, for those who don't know. Um, that's just hemangiomas on your liver, but we found something on your lungs. So then, oh, you've got all these nodules on your lungs. You have to get those biopsied. Okay, all of this, it was like... <laughs> just pick another organ while right. you <laughs> add it to the list. Right, and then, and then after the nodules on my lungs, it was something on my kidney. And I, I mean, it literally just, and, and in the meantime, I still felt like shit. Right. And couldn't, I, I couldn't get anywhere. I just felt like, okay, what is happening? And then she tried to throw a depression pill at me, you know, and I said, okay, you don't understand. Like, I'm not saying I'm depressed. I'm, I'm just feeling that way. It's, it's a, a symptom. symptom. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's a symptom of something. It's not the root cause of my issue. Right. You know, so I wouldn't I wouldn't take it. So this went on, I want to say, for three years. Right. Nobody could figure out what it was. Yada, yada, yada. Then I went to a new allergist. And you know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. Because we share the same doctor. He's a he's a fantastic doctor. He's a allergist and an immunologist. So I went to him and he said, 
I think I was like 34 at the time. And he said, why does somebody that's only 34 years old have a file this thick? And and I was there just for allergies, you know? And I said, oh, because nobody can figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. And, but, you know. Right. And... He's and like, he's so thorough. I he, mean, like, he really, he's like an investigator doctor. He is. Like, he wants to know what the root cause is, not right. just why the symptoms are there. Exactly. So um, so he said, you know, what are your symptoms? And I told him, and he said, has anybody tested you for Hashimoto's? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And, and I don't know, because I've been tested for everything, you know? <laughs> My bruise on my toe. Yeah, I, right. I had an MRI on it. <laughs> right. So he did a blood test and called me the next day, and he was like, okay, you have Hashimoto's. That's your problem. Moving on. Let's, you know. <laughs> and and I was like, what the hell? It's been years, and nobody could figure this out. And he did it in a 10-minute conversation. He knew what the problem was, you know. And listen, I'm not bashing the medical profession at all because medicine is not an exact science. It just isn't. So it does take a lot of trial and error. But you need to find you need to find a doctor who will listen to you and help you figure it out. Right. You know? So you that, have to be your own advocate. Like, if you don't like what one sure. doctor is saying, you have to go to another doctor. Yes. And then maybe another doctor, and then try another doctor. Like, Well, that's just it. That's right. exactly what I ended up having and to do. And no one's perfect. I mean, right. doctors are trained, but they're not... They're human beings. They're right. not perfect. <laughs> right. They're not above anyone else. They make mistakes. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. In diagnoses, specifically. <laughs> Truly. Which we can... We can definitely attest to. So Absolutely. what was your like most mysterious illness that was diagnosed? That they're currently working on because I've had, um, I mean, first of all, it was the same thing, but I was 23. Okay. When I first started um, having, literally my hands would not work. I would just wake up and like try to zipper my son, my oldest son, who's now going to be 24, yeah. was one. Yeah. <laughs> and I would go to zipper his coat. Or put on his shoes and like my hands literally physically wouldn't work. And I thought, I'm 23 at right. the time. Like <laughs> your hands just don't stop working. Um, so I went to a doctor who was just like, did one test for RA, mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, and was like, yeah, it looks like you have it. Just take these pills and like sent me out the door. Like no further follow up, nothing. Yeah. So then I found another doctor. Uh who diagnosed me was like, we're not sure if you have RA or lupus or you know, yep. what autoimmune condition. Went through all the tests there. Um, ended up getting up, getting pregnant with my second son. And he's like, you'd be a great clinical trial subject for, <laughs> it was Remicade, I think, at the time. Oh, okay, Like yeah. when Remicade or Humira, you know, one yep. of those first came out. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, yeah, we don't have any pregnant women. I no. was like, okay, next doctor. <laughs> Like, like, oh my God. Uh, to the next doctor yeah. who I then went to, and I made like radical change in my diet, my lifestyle. Yeah. Everything. And I said, listen, can I come off all these drugs? Because then they'd had me on Plaquenil. Yep. 
um, Celebrex, which ended up with a black box warning that it could kill you back in the day and, you know, of a heart attack. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, listen, I'll figure out how to make my hands and my other joints like work and not hurt. Can we just go off all these drugs? And, you know, she did a bunch of blood tests and said, yes, let's just monitor you. And like, whatever makes you, if we come off all the drugs and, you know, you can go to physical therapy or exercise and it makes you feel good, then let's do that. And I was like, hallelujah. But that took me three doctors. Yeah. You know, and I still don't necessarily have a definitive definitive diagnosis at all about that. And then I've also had anemia for a long time. And... It's gone from iron deficiency to, well, I don't know, now your blood cells look look kind of funky. And so we're working on that right now. But uh, one thing I've definitely learned is you have to be your own advocate. And I think something that's really important to remember is the doctors are not employing you. They're not your boss and they just tell you what to do. They're there to work with you on your health, on a treatment plan, you're actually paying them, so you kind of employ them. Right. It's your decision in the end what treatment plan you want to decide on and go with. Doctors are obviously extremely important, any doctor, because um, they do have valuable advice to offer. But if you feel something's not right, yeah. you don't like your treatment plan, speak up. There is nothing that says... You have to do what what they say. You exactly. Have, you have to be your own advocate. I recently, unfortunately, was hospitalized for the severe anemia. And um, every single nurse, when they would tell the next doctor that came in, because I had to have a blood transfusion, literally told my story in a different way. Really? And they were busy. Yeah. And I was in the ICU. And it was crazy. But like, there was always like some part of the story that wasn't correct. And I was like... Okay, I've listened to this like four times now. Right. And none of you are right. None of you are right. (laughs) So at one point, all like four doctors were in the room at the same time. And the one nurse did a very good job at explaining everything that was going on. But I just kind of like stepped in. And finally, the one doctor, I go, I'm sorry. I'm not like, I don't mean to like step on your toes, but like. This is what happened. Like, it was me. Yeah. I I was there. I'm pretty sure this is what happened. (laughs) And um, the doctor goes, the one doctor goes, oh, this all makes sense now. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I'm glad. Do I get an honorary, like, (laughs) RN or doctorate because of this? But um, no, so it's funny. And I don't, I think people get scared. Like, doctors seem, they do seem godlike to some. I mean, they can, like save your life if you know yeah in some instances but and so i think people get scared of them like you get scared of a principal when you're a little kid or whatever right do not be scared of them no right you're employing them they're you're there to work together is i really i could not have said that better like briefly before we started recording jamie and i were talking about um this and and i said you know i think people have like this they think doctors are God. And I'll use my grandmother as an example. She had a quack of a doctor that specialized in geriatrics, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's just old parts. It's the same parts, you right. know. <laughs> They're just older. <laughs> yes. So um, anyway, he, he never diagnosed her with anything. I told her she had COPD, you know, she was like, no, I don't belong for months. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with you. And she, she smoked for 80 years. 
I mean, literally, I would tell her she had COPD and she would say, no, I don't. Dr. So-and-so doesn't say that. And I'm like, because he's an idiot. (laughs) Um, But she was always afraid to speak up because he was the utmost authority. Right. He knew it. Yeah. He knew everything. He, yeah, he knew nothing. But she lived to be 88 and good for her. So um, eventually, I, I do think it was the COPD that she passed away from. But she thought that the doctor was God. And I don't want anybody to ever feel that way because you put it so eloquently that you're paying them. Like you employ them yeah. essentially to help you with your health. Right. Yeah. No doctor's paying me to be sick. I can tell no, you right. that much. <laughs> I'm paying them. My last hospital visit was almost $100,000. Oh, yeah. For less than two weeks. Yep. $100,000. I'm part of that plan, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And another example I can use is for, uh, again, 20 some odd years, um, I was having these issues that would come and go. And ended up at different neurologists and they would say, yeah, you probably have MS, but it was never a definitive thing, you know, and um, yeah, you probably have MS and call us when you have the symptoms and we'll get you in right away and that will help us. Right. Yeah. This, this kills me. She's rolling her eyes. Everybody, yeah. And she knows where I'm going with this. Yep. So I would call when I was symptomatic and they would go, OK, we can see you in seven weeks. I'd be like, what? He told me to call so that I could get in. Yeah, no, we're busy. We'll see you in seven weeks. Well, of course, by then, symptoms are gone. It was over and over and over and over for years. And I switched doctors, and it was the same thing. And then finally, one of the doctors said, you have to go in for a spinal tap. And all the others had suggested it. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't really need to do that. Thanks. Um, But he said, it's the only definitive way to know if you have MS. So I did go in. I was a big girl. I put my big girl pants on. (laughs) And I (laughs) went to the hospital and I had the spinal tap. And it was negative. And then the neurologist said, "Um, okay, well, it's negative, but you probably still have MS. I was like, what the fuck? Why did I just go through that? You said it was definitive. Right. You know? So if it's negative, I don't have it, right? Right. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, you could still have MS and, and have a negative spinal tap. And I thought, oh, well, great. I'm glad I went through all that right. for absolutely nothing. This went on for 20-something years. And then I recently switched doctors again. And he said... Yes, you probably have MS, but I'm going to send you to a a different neurologist who specializes in nothing but MS out of Northwestern. We live in the Chicagoland area. So I went to Northwestern, went to this doctor, and he said, "Uh, I don't know why anybody's telling you you probably have MS. (laughs) It's like, you definitely do. do. Yeah. But apparently, and this was something new to me, you age out of um, MS medications. You can only take them for so long. Oh, I didn't even know that. I, I'd never heard of that before. And he said, there's no point in putting you on these drugs because you're going to age out at age 58. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? (laughs) He said, you can't take these anymore after a certain age. They're more detrimental than they are helpful. So I just deal with it, you know? Right. And I, 
with you, I know you suffered from breast cancer, and she's yep. she's a rock star because she beat it. Um, well, I have that's a whole nother. I have like one boob left, but <laughs> doesn't matter. Right, plastic you're, surgery someday. You're a rock star, <laughs> and who cares? All right. So my point is, some of the things that you're going through now, you had said to your doctor then. So I had my breast cancer surgery, which was just a lot. I chose just a lumpectomy and radiation. So I had the surgery and then I had radiation and something. Again, I had a team of like five doctors for this little breast cancer. And no one had told me it was like a whirlwind. Like everything happened in a month and yeah. then was done with. They were like, swoop you into surgery, swoop you out, wait a month, go to radiation, radiation, you're done. Like, no one told me anything like the effects of radiation. Really? Like, how big my scars would be. I mean, they told you that radiation, I mean, they tell you it might burn your skin, whatever. My skin was, like, fried, peeling off, horrid. Yeah. I mean, it was awful by the way there's Um, no such thing as a little breast cancer as she referred to she's really playing that down but go um but no one told me the effects of radiation on your entire body the rest of your life so i had 20 rounds of radiation like 19 or 20 the the last couple were like the super high dose or whatever they call it and Literally over the next year, what was left of my breast, yeah, like started shri- like shriveling up. Oh, I've had problems with my right lung, yeah, like with either fluid in it or whatever, because obviously it was the side getting radiated. Sure, and then the radiation in itself can cause cancer in my other breast. I didn't in know that your ovaries, uh, your liver, anything that's near, right. That side. And nobody discussed this with you. No. I mean, and so I went back through all of my stuff recently. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got pamphlets that are like in the Uh, back of a folder that I'm sure they handed me as I was walking out. Yeah. Like hyped. This is all. I got all that stuff at my surgery. Oh. So I probably wasn't even conscious. Like Kirk probably put me in the car with like a nurse. You know what I mean? And whatever. So I did find that that mentions some of that in these pamphlets. Holy shit. But it was never like super discussed. Well, now I have all these problems with cysts on my ovaries, all of this yeah. within a year or two um, after I had uh, cancer and the radiation. I blame it on the radiation. Um, and when I went back to my breast surgeon, I said, you know, after my mammograms every year, I go back to my breast surgeon for follow-up. And I said, wait till you see my boob. And yeah. she's like, oh, it can't be that bad. She literally was gone. I was like, oh. And like with this horrid look on her face. And I'm like, okay, that does not make me feel any better. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Or whatnot. And um, and yeah, they're like, everyone, it, you is know, different. is different. Like we don't, some people... My boob looked great a year after I had the surgery. Yeah. And then once the the radiation's like working in your system for a long time, you don't just stop radiation right. and the radiation just goes, goes away. away. Right. Or whatnot. <laughs> so, yeah. So now I have, a, I don't know, this is kind of funny. I say it's, I have a crepe and I have a boob. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then one of my best girlfriends started calling it Margot because <laughs> I said it looks like a crepe. And she goes, Margot, that sounds like it's French. Okay. So there you go. I got Margot and I got one regular boob. <laughs> but yeah, but another time, and actually I did end up switching. Um, I had to switch um, gynecologists and hematology oncologists. I've decided to switch because I told them after all of this too. And I started, I had to have my right ovary and fallopian tube removed because it was getting all these cysts all of a sudden. Yeah. And I said, why didn't, why don't we just do a hysterectomy? Right. Because my cancer was um, estrogen and progesterone positive, meaning they okay. don't want any estrogen in your body. Right. So they put me on tamoxifen, which cuts off all your estrogen, which literally crippled me for like a year. And yeah. I said, sorry, I'm a quality of life over quantity. Like, I'm, I can't take this. Yeah. Why can't we just take it out? Do a hysterectomy. Right. Get rid of most of my estrogen. Your body still produces, I think, through your thyroid. It does, yeah. A little bit of estrogen, but why can't we just... I'm going off the drugs. Is like, it your thyroid or is it your pituitary gland? It, oh, I think it's your pituitary yeah. gland. I think you're right. And at the time, my gynecologist was like, well, we just don't remove parts that we don't need to remove. And I'm like, well, you kind of need to remove it because right. you already removed half of it. Yeah. And they're only saying that this will cause problems for the other half of it. Right. And can help with creating further you know cancer again yeah so i used to say that gynecologist who i broke my heart i had her for 30 years but no more right 30 years like since i was a teenager i went to her and then i was like i don't like your answer and jamie's had four kids by the way yeah four kids no problems yeah they're all grown healthy all that fun stuff um so um i have this new gynecologist and when I went in, she's like, I have no idea why they didn't give you a hysterectomy to <laughs> exactly. begin with. And right. I was like, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank yeah. you. This is what I've been saying for four <laughs> years now. Yeah. As every, and every time I go back, something else has to be done. The yep. severe anemia. I have to have blood transfusion. You know, I have to have the oophorectomy, which is the removing of your ovary. And then I had to go back in for, you know, I've now I've got another huge cyst on the yeah. other side. Okay, this could have all been taken care in one surgery. Right, four years four ago. Four years ago. Yeah. And I would have none of this. Now, I'll tell you, the hospital and doctors have made probably about... A gazillion dollars. Yeah, $200,000 plus yeah. off of performing these procedures all at different times. Right. When it could have been one hysterectomy probably for 20 grand. Yeah. And boom, I'm free of everything. No right. estrogen, no... Yeah, right. No nothing. So, yeah. So that's our point, right? Yep. It's not just my point. It's our point is you really do need to take control of your own health care and don't... Um, oh, first of all, I always recommend getting a second opinion. No matter... Absolutely. You know, I don't care if it's allergies. Go, you know, go get a second opinion because once you start putting drugs into your system or whatever, you know... Um, you need to make sure that it's the right thing. Absolutely. Okay, so James, since we're talking about being your own medical advocate, I know what I learned, but what did you learn from being your own advocate? Well, I learned that first and foremost, you and only you are in control of your body and everything about your body and your health. Now, obviously, doctors of all sorts, psychiatrists, Mental health, physical health, anything health, yeah. are trained to assist in helping you with these things. But you are a team. And 
if you don't like an answer, if you don't like what's going on, if you are listening to your body and it is telling you something that is totally different than you feel the doctor is telling you, you need to stand up for yourself. And that is, I think, the lesson that I learned is that you have to take control yeah. yourself because you are your greatest advocate. No right. one else. Totally agree. Yeah. For me, I, I kind of learned when I was telling her my symptoms when I was telling my doctor my symptoms and I said depression was a symptom and she automatically threw a pill at me. Right. And I said, I'm not taking a depression pill. I'm telling you it's a symptom, not uh, like I'm not, not chronically depressed. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I learned is if you don't get the right answer or you don't feel like it's the right answer, move on. Because right. as you said, you have to be your own best advocate. You can't rely on everybody else to tell you what to do. Well, and I think it's important too to not be scared because you are. Like I remember at first I'm like, well, I'm gonna talk back to a doctor. <laughs> but like you have to. Like you know your body better than anyone else. Yeah. Like that's the the whole thing. Yep. I, and I think intuition has a lot to do with it, too. Right. Like, I think women have an innate ability to know more about themselves than men do. I don't... I I would agree with that. Okay. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> I don't think men even tried. Even if they did have some type of intuition, they're right. like, shit, shut that down. I know. <laughs> Throw it to the side. Don't worry about it. Totally agree. Yeah. So for women, I think um, it's especially important to do that, to, to listen to your intuition and for men, be your own best advocate. That's that's our advice. I agree. Thank you for joining me and for honestly being so honest about, yes, about everything. Sorry, I can't not be honest. I know. That's why I love you. <laughs> and that's why we're friends. Because yes. we're pretty much the same. And one day they're going to name a disease after she and I both. Yeah, both together. Yeah. I Although think. I'm glad Sherry has it. We usually twin at the same time of whatever is going on with us. That's true. And with my last two hospital visits, I'm like... Thank God you aren't twinning yeah. after me right now. <laughs> this is not going well this last month. But. No. Well, God bless you because you, first of all, you look fantastic. And obviously, I want you to be around for another 50 years. So, me too. Yeah. I know you do. I know you do. And and we're friends. Um, we, I actually, she used to work for me. Yeah. And, or with me. And well, kind of for you. Yeah. <laughs> the first day they just left me sitting at a desk and I'm like, can I help you? No, and no. Sherry's like, come yes. on in. Yeah. <laughs> it's back in the corporate world. Yeah. Back in the corporate days. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just wanted to really thank you for coming here and being so honest. And um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So if you want to comment about this show or any other, you can do so. Um, you can email me at lifewithasherryontop at gmail.com. Again, my name is spelled weirdly, so it's C-H-E-R-I. So it's lifewithasherryontop at gmail.com. And we'll talk again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.